Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited tonight as we have an amazing comedian coming on. He is such a talent. He's one of a kind, an original act, nothing like that that I've seen out there so far. And his name is Mad Dog Mattern, and he's going to come on in a moment. So just hang in there, Mad Dog. I know you mentioned on uh, Facebook that you haven't meditated today, and uh, you might be on fire tonight, so we will we will handle that, okay? So just hang in there. Um, he's he's so great. I just I had the honor and pleasure of seeing him several weeks ago, and it's just it's really a treat. And I highly recommend that everyone gets out and sees one of his shows or one of the shows that he's on. We're going to talk about the Ronnie Block party tonight. I know Mooski's in the house, Joseph Mooski. We're going to give him a plug in a moment for uh, the SternSuperfans.com and a lot more tonight. So if anyone's tuning in for the first time, I always like to do a brief introduction on my show started a little over a year and a half ago now with the concept in mind of bringing a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry, musicians, comedians, filmmakers, you name it, and just really provide a forum to support them and help them spread their name to get their name out there and what they do. Um, Personally, I manage everything on my own by myself. I know how difficult it can be, especially if someone is an independent artist. And a little bit about myself, um, I have a background in clinical psychology. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist. That's what my doctorate degree is in. And I'm also a singer-songwriter with a full-length album out. Um, and I do some writing for some magazines. And then I started the radio show because I really wanted to, again, create a, a great forum for people to get their names out there. So on my show, you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in the profession. A couple of things I ask for people to keep in mind, and I know Mad Dog tonight might really need this, but unfortunately we are going to, uh, this will be on the side and, and off the air. Um, although I'm a clinical psychologist, my show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. Um, it's not doing any type of formal therapy or treatment. So I just want people to kind of keep that in mind. I'm not a pop psychologist. Um, I love psychology and entertainment, but I try to keep the two uh, separate to some degree so as not to confuse the uh, boundaries there. And I also want my guests to feel uh, like they can talk about anything on the show, but just if you're going to talk about any embarrassing or humiliating stories, which we all love to hear, uh, especially comedy stories, excuse me, Um, just to keep any identifying information about people's names, uh, you know, specific things out of the stories, just so we don't personally humiliate or embarrass anyone, even though we do want to share uh, entertaining stories on the show. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. You can call in if you want to ask questions to 805-243-1320, All the stuff is available in the chat room, and it's all available on the actual station page for Mad Dog. Okay, let me give you some introductions on Mad Dog, and then I'll do a couple quick plugs, and then we will go into the interview because I don't want the poor guy to have a heart attack uh, (laughs) waiting on the line here. Okay, so as I mentioned, I recently had a chance to see him, and uh, it was a show that was hosted by Soul Joel Productions, and we'll talk about that during the show, give him lots of plugs and is at Lefty's Tavern in uh, southern New Jersey. 
And as I mentioned, he just really is one of a kind. I mean, the way he works the crowd, the energy he brings to the table, uh, his improvisation skills are just unbelievable. And the other thing I have to also mention is his memory. I want to ask him about that tonight because it was just like an hour of stand-up incorporating the crowd, and he could remember every little detail about every person in the crowd. It was almost like a superpower. That's what I think uh, he has here. He's like a superhero. And, um, again, there's no doubt in the future that we will not see him at some point on a TV show or a featured special. He, he's got to get out there at some point. I think he's going to do it. Everyone also knows him for being a regular uh, on the Scott Farrell show. Uh, he was on the Miserable Men show on Howard 101. And uh, currently he's also sometimes you can see him on Howard Stern On Demand TV. And he's also a regular in a podcast called Dog in the Park that he uh, has on the Comedy Point with Soul Joel. So for more information, go to maddogmattern.com. All right, and quick couple of plugs. We want to give a special thanks to Joel Richardson from Soul Joel Productions for setting up this interview. He's an amazing person, too. Comedians have to check out his production company. You can check it out at souljoel.com, and that's S-O-U-L-J-O-E-L.com. And also check out his podcast called The Comedy Point. Dot com where you can get a ton of information and great shows that he has on that. I also want to give a plug to Joseph Muski, who is in the chat room right now, and thank you, Joseph, for joining us. He is, uh, as everyone knows, he's from uh, SternSuperfans.com, also Stern Facebook Superfans, and it's an amazing Howard Stern fan site for all the fans to get together. It has tons of information, so please check him out and also check out Mark Mercer from MarksFriggin.com, another amazing person who blogs about the Stern Show, and you can get pretty much every little detail that you want. Okay, so I don't want to uh, keep uh, Mad Dog on too long. Let me bring him on the air. We'll give some more plugs during the show. Hey, Mad Dog, how are you? I'm all right. What's going on, darling? Things are good? <laughs> Nothing much. It's so great to have you on the show. I've been really looking forward to this interview and uh, promoting you. I feel like you're the best reader in the world, or you you like practice that whole sh- that you didn't like stutter at all like that's oh, more good. professional Thank than you. anything i've ever heard it was like and <laughs> next we have and let's give it up for joel and muski and you might know them from their such clinical work and i mean that was uh, unbelievable i, I think you he could well, replace you... diane sawyer eventually on abc news if you oh, want it I mean, wow you... okay thank you i mean i never was interested in being a news person i do like doing voiceover stuff more character type of stuff. I have some crazy character voices, so who knows? Maybe at some point I will. Uh, I ventured a tiny bit into that area, but not not fully yet. So maybe one day. <laughs> I think you should do the news as characters. That would the ratings would either be amazing <laughs> or horrible. Like you'd last half a show, or you'd be an overnight sensation because you're like, why does she change every story into a different person? Why is she some old crazy lady right now screaming at a parrot that doesn't exist? <laughs> Well, I just want to know if Iran's bombing us. That's all I want to know. Is Iran bombing (laughs) us? Why is she now a woman who's half black, half Chinese from Detroit? Why is that that going on? Mad dog, I'm not that good. They're more cartoon type of character voices, crazy voices that I have. But we'll we'll talk off the air because this show is about you. We want to focus on Mad Dog tonight, okay? But I like to revert it on everyone else. Don't you know that? (laughs) (laughs) There is no me. I know. I mean, we we spent a lot of time together, and I had a ball with you that night, and we're definitely going to do something yes. in the future. You and I are doing something. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to create something really original and unique and, and get out there. We will. 
I we will be doing a project we're working on is called something. In case people are, are wondering, that is what the project is. It's just there called something, and we're working on it. Okay, that sounds Wait good. All right, so let's uh, let's digress a little bit. Let's let's go back a little bit to learn about who Mad Dog is and how you became the comedian that you are today. So you know me. Unfortunately, I'm a psychologist, but like I said, it's not it's yeah. not therapy on the show. But I want to learn a little bit about who you are as a person and let the audience know, you know, growing up, what were you like and, you know, some stuff like that. And I know you incorporate a lot of that, a lot of that into your show. But, um, yeah, just also give us some background and let us know who you are. Well, my home planet uh, exploded when I was a baby. But my uh, dad, who was the, the jailer, uh, he sent me to Earth and I ended up in Kansas. And I wrote for the Daily Planet. That's what I ended up. All right, that's Superman's story. All right, yes, look. Yes, that's the Superman um, story. Let's go to the real Mad Dog story. I was uh, born in Vegas. I was raised by my grandparents. My mom was uh, back and forth because she's crazy, amongst other things. I don't <laughs> know my real dad. At 21, they finally, uh, instead of telling me I'm a bastard, they're like, yeah, you're probably Mexican. And the guy you're named after is black. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. I was raised Jamie Lewis Mattern, and then I looked at my birth certificate when I was 21, and my real name that I was born with was Norris Brent Fleming II. I was named after my mom's boyfriend at the time. was a black dude, but she got pregnant supposedly in Mexico and uh, came back with me in her belly, and then the Mexican dude left, and then she started dating this dude who was going to be my dad. He split right after the birth, and then my grandparents took custody and changed my name and never looked back. And then at 21, I find this all out, and it was pretty heavy. Wow. And then a year ago now, supposedly my mom might have gotten pregnant by a Jewish fellow before all this started. And so now I might be Jewish. And so another, like, five years, I'll, I'll probably find out I'm part cheetah. I mean, who knows the way these oh things are going. Oh, my gosh. How did you, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, delve too deeply into that, but that's, like you said, that's a lot to handle finding that stuff out when you're 21 years old. And, I mean, what was that like for you? Well, it, it, I got teased more amongst my buddies because we were all Italians and Irish. And then when one guy in the group becomes Mexican, you know what they're going to make fun of. So that's uh, <laughs> that changed that dynamic real quick. Right. <laughs> I can see how you use really comedy. Quick. And I can see how you use yeah. comedy to cope with things. I mean, because that's, that's a lot to deal with. And it sounds like your grandparents were really supportive of you. I mean, that was was that... Correct, what yes I'm saying? No, or, I mean, it's yeah. the old, uh, like, Pops was Italian-German, but raised mostly Italian. And my grandma was from Germany when the war was going on. Like, she got out of there. Uh, so they're, like, old-school European. And so uh, there was a lot of tough love. And, like, uh, like it just t- took years till they, like, embraced me being an entertainer. Like, why don't you get a real job? Like, I got a degree in journalism. And I remember okay. having to explain to them why it wasn't, like, it didn't make sense to go back to journalism after being a comic. What about journalism? Like, I'll make less there than I'm making now, probably. Right. So, so skip, where did you, it um, where did you go It sounds like school? it's a real job. UNLV, right. the, the powerhouse of American education. Okay, okay. And what was yeah. your, when you were going to school for journalism, what were your plans at that time? Was this, at this time, were you still thinking of getting interested in comedy, or did that happen a little later in life? No, my last semester, I I started going to open mics and realized that I just wasted all that money. Oh, no. Because I wasn't really used to the degree. And, um, yeah, I was going to be a music critic, 
That was like okay. my goal. Because I used to, I didn't ever bought the books for my classes. So you would see me walk around UNLV with like, like even like old spin magazines, like two years old. Like it's, this is insane. Like it'd be like 2001 and I have like a cover from like 98 with the Beastie Boys on it. People are like, that album isn't even out anymore that they're promoting on there. Why are you walking with it? I'm like, I got to carry my papers. I would read, reread the articles in these magazines, old Rolling Stones oh and Spin. Gosh. So I was obsessed with that. And so that's what I thought I was going to be doing. Okay. And that, that didn't happen. I started go, I got on stage and enjoyed that more than, uh, you know, listening to other people's art and then either attacking it or totally embracing it and having a wow. slurp fest with them. So I decided just to create on my own. Nice. So just to digress, so growing up, were you did, were you interested in comedy at all? Did you have any interest in it? Or, again, this was just something you went out one night and this kind of just struck your fancy and all of a sudden you were just totally drawn in and you were like, this is what I want to do. Um, apparently when I was a kid, my aunt told me a joke and then I would make up really worse versions of that joke. Like, <laughs> Like, what's the one about the elephant? Why do the elephants sit on the mush- the marshmallow so it wouldn't fall on the hot chocolate? That's, like, something you tell kids to, right. like, shut up for a few minutes before you can, you know, get them in the movie theater and get them full of, you know, popcorn. And so I would tell, like, variations of that. Like, they were stupid. Like, why do the apple and the monkey, blah, 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 you don't want to fall on the orange? And I'd crack up. There's no punch. It's stupid. But I then told my aunt that I was going to be a comedian. So when I started doing comedy, she's like, you told me that years ago. Wow. And then I think she borrowed 20 bucks from me, which is pretty funny. But that happens. And then what did you say? And then she what? I think she borrowed 20 bucks from me after that. I mean, this is Vegas. People have things to pay <laughs> off. Okay. So you're in Vegas. And just to, what was the name, the full name of the school? Because I know you used an acronym to describe it. And I didn't get University it. of Nevada at Las Vegas. Oh, okay. Nice. Very nice. So you pretty much grew up in Las Vegas. Is that where your, you know, permanent residence pretty much was? Guilty, yes. Guilty. <laughs> so what was that like? What was it like in Las Vegas? I mean, was it crazy? Well, you, yeah, you, but you don't realize, it, it's really crazy in the sense that when you meet people and you tell me you're from Vegas, it never will live up to the expectations, I think, of people's heads. Like, let me ask you this. Like, Take a random shot of what you think my life was like, like, like growing up there. Like, what happens? Because I, I mean, feel like I, it's it's crazier than think, what it actually ends up being. Right. I mean, just when I think of Las Vegas, I just think of, and I've never been there. I just think of the crazy clubs and the night scene. Like that's what that's just what comes to mind. And I guess you know, psychology wise, that's what comes to most people's minds is you just think of this glorified, you know, just party. You know what I mean? And I'm sure outside of the nightclubs, there probably is just a normal life that most people live. Yeah, it's somewhere in between is really what okay. it is. Like, you can go out to those nights, yeah, but I was never really, like, a big club guy. Because right. uh, by the Me third either. time, you're, you're talking <laughs> to a chick, and you, and you each, by the third time, you each go, what? It's just really, like, why are we here? What exactly. What is the, the, the purpose <laughs> of this? Why don't we just go to a dive bar and listen to ACDC and have Guinness and be able to talk to each other? Nice. And so I, I was more of that and hung out like local bars and that. But at the same time, your local bars that are chill don't close. I mean, and there still can be sex and drugs in the bathroom and random fights. Bartenders might lead to pick up quote-unquote medication and have you fill in for them, and that medication's really 
drugs, but you're right. there and you're like 21 and you don't even have an alcohol awareness card and you're serving like your family members, friends that they've known for 20 years because they show up at three in the morning or whatever. And you're oh serving them gin and tonic. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do that. And I'm like, no, I'm not allowed to do a lot of things, but it's going to happen here, baby. Wow. I okay. Mean, so like, yeah, like you said, it's somewhere happens. in between. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think people feel like you're gambling when you're an embryo that, you know, right. the nurses at, at the hospital aren't real nurses. They're all, like, strippers in nurses' outfits. Oh, and so funny. they're, like, they're like taking 20s from, like, the other dads when you're being born. And right. they're stripping for them. And then, oh, here's a baby. Smack his ass. Put him on stage, too. Like, it's, it's I mean, everyone's just convinced that it's a pure cesspool. It's, it's pretty close to that, but it's not quite. I mean, there still are normal people. Right. Like, I remember yeah. there was the, the, a basketball coach for my uh, school, because we're like mm-hmm. a basketball school. We used to be really good at it. We're good again. The coach before the guy we have now was a real vagabond named uh, Lon Kruger, and he would move from town to town. He said he was going to stay in Vegas. But there's a couple years ago, there's a rumor that he was going to go to a couple jobs, and this announcer, this expert, was like, you know, I think he would rather go there because he's in Vegas in that crazy, fast Vegas lifestyle. It's only fast if you want it to be. If you're coaching exactly. 12 hours a day at a school and you go home to your wife and your kids, I mean, it's not like the drugs and the hookers and, that, and the gambling. <laughs> right. No one knocks on your door and says, you have to give me $2,000 to put on the Broncos or we're going to kill you. Like, it doesn't work like that. Right. You have to well, actually want funny. to do that stuff. Exactly. And I think that's like most things in life. I mean, you have to put yourself in those types of situations if if you're going to really get involved and it's not like you said that people can just come out and grab you and throw you into it and then uh-oh you know what I mean so <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah, the same a Brett Easton Ellis novel where things just occur to you what'd you say it's, just, it's not like a Brett Easton Ellis novel where, where people right. just show up and randomly make you do things right right exactly like it things exactly. against your will Sorry, I got a little obscure with the reference. No, do it that's, sometimes. That's, it's going to happen, baby. No, I like baby. that. No, that, no, Mad Dog, I like that because I like to hear people's stories and, and hear what their lives are like about. So that's what it's about. Yeah. So you start, you're getting done with your degree, and then you realize that you wasted all this time, as you said, which you, I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you can use the skills that you've developed. Well, I hope you can. Um, from your schooling, I'm sure, in this industry, because as we know, this industry is very challenging and difficult and complicated at times. So you're doing stand-up and then you decide this is what you're going to do. So how long were you working in Las Vegas to develop your act and develop your craft before you move over to, uh, uh, I guess, New York? Um, Which where you went after that? Yeah, I was there five years doing stand-up. And I just, uh, I was working on the weekends at some places. I was getting some road work. I was doing all right, you know. And I also still had, like, a union job. Like, I was waiting tables. I guess when I say I have a union job, people think I'm probably dealing with, like, steel or, or carrying boxes yeah, right. or something incredibly alpha. And instead it was – I was just asking people how they wanted their cheeseburger done. That's that's all I was doing. But uh, it, I was getting – it was part of a union, so it was cool. It makes me sound, you know, badass in a way. But uh, okay. so I was doing that, but I wasn't getting I – I think I, like, peaked at one point. I just didn't think I was getting any better. Because, like, me and Shuli and a couple of the guys we were with and our group, our crew, we, like, ran the shows, basically. 
Okay, and real quick, just to interrupt you for a minute and digress, Muski was asking, how did you meet Shuli? So this is a perfect time as you're talking about this stuff to please incorporate your uh, introduction of how you and Shuli came together. Your timing is impeccable, Muski. Look at that. It all comes together. (laughs) You know what? I think he posted it a couple of minutes ago probably, but the problem is I have so many different windows open, so I was going back into the chat room and he just posted it. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, I, know. I met him at an open mic in Vegas at a horrible place called the Stock Exchange. It's not there anymore, so don't look for it. And if it was still there, don't look for it either. It was a horrible <laughs> place. And, uh, and oh, oh, no, actually I met him before that. Um, I looked for a place to do comedy on a Tuesday, and I went to the, this place called Honest John. That uh, Same thing. That's like a rug place now. They sell rugs at this place. It's not even a bar anymore. And it's right above, it's right next to an area of town called Naked City where people get shot and they do crack and the cops don't even go there. So it's a really horrible part of town across from the Sahara in Vegas. And so I went there to do comedy on a Tuesday to like six meth heads and truly ran the show. And that's where I met him. And I was having a horrible day because one of my buddies I went to high school with, he was up for murder that day. And I, me and the buddies went to uh, support him. Because at that point, we thought he was in a horrible love triangle, which he was, but we thought the girl manipulated everything. And uh, so we went. I didn't. I remember I'm on one hour sleep. And um, I'm going to get a little graphic. I had the poops all day because I uh, drank the night before, and I ate fruit for breakfast and drank juice. And I was my stomach was horrible. And when I got there and did Shuli's show, my stomach cleared up, and I killed. No one else was doing well. It went really well. And then me and Shuli became nice. friends. I saw him again at the stock exchange like a week or two later. Now, we, we decided to form a group called the Renegades of Comedy, influenced by the Outlaws of Comedy, which was Sam Kennison and Carla Bow and Bill Hicks. What do you think Very, of that? I mean, I got a little graphic. I had to bring in the pooping. That's, it was I like part that. Of the story. No, you know I'm a Stern fan. That's fine. <laughs> a little bit good. of poopy. It had to happen. I don't even like scatological, but it was the truth. Hey, well, you know what? While you're talking about that, I had a guy on my show, I don't know, Several months ago, he wrote a book called Shit Happens. It was literally oh my goodness! It was literally a book about stories of people that he knew who unfortunately did not make it to the bathroom in time. It was hysterical. It was hysterical. So there you I go. I bet it sells. He's going to be on the next. Uh, I hope they serve beer in hell, guy. That's going to be His him. Name, yeah, you you might even have heard of him. His name's Tim Louie. He's been writing for the Aquarian Weekly magazine for years. He's one of the major writers for it. So it's hysterical, though. The book is really funny. But um, I will okay, look into so. It. So getting back to... I'm going to buy it for my grandma for Christmas. What do you think of that? Hey, Ma, this is for you. She's legally blind, so she wouldn't even know that I bought her a book about Uh, pooping. So that would be outstanding. There you go. So, okay. What's the matter with you? I cannot read. That's her accent. Sorry. That's her accent. She will be like, like, I cannot read. What's the matter with you, dummy? (laughs) That's her accent. So she's from Germany. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. I can't fine. stay focused, Carrie. I we're have gonna, trouble gonna, with the focus. You. I know you didn't meditate today. We're going to keep you focused, but just, just hang in there. I was going to, and I got a call like at 720 from one of my best friends, and we started rattling for 40 minutes. So it was like, boom. Oh, no well, that's chance nice. Meditation. That's, that's okay. nice, though. Okay. It was all right. Was all right. So you meet Julie. It was swell. You're doing your stand-up act. It's going better than yeah. you know you had anticipated. And then so from there, how much longer are you in Las Vegas before you move over to uh, New York? Well, I met Julie like a year in. And so it was like another four years, a lot of like crazy stuff. 
in between, you know, uh, you know, disappeared from the scene for a minute. I think I, I had a slight falling out with the guys for like a couple months. Then ended up coming back. Surely, you know, really spearheaded bringing me back into the scene with the guys. And then uh, we bounced around for a couple of years doing things, but we just, you know, it's hard to get better there. It's hard to find stage time, and the casinos don't bump people up. Right. Like the older dudes would get like some guest spots here and there, and they're all doing lame gambling jokes and that, which, I mean, I guess you kind of got to do one or two because it is the environment you're in. I mean, you make right. sense. But, like, ugh, we all thought we were going to be, like, revolutionaries at that point, right? Because, like, you get into stand-up <laughs> because of, like, the crazy people. Like, right. later you appreciate, like, a Rodney and, like, a, a Pat Cooper and a Red Fox for just being funny. Or even, like, mm-hmm. a Bob Hope or a Carson. But when you start, it's usually, like, a Kennison or a Rock or a Hex or a Pryor. And so you think you're changing the world up there. And it's like, no, I'm going to talk about this non-sellout stuff, man. I'm just going to be a punk and be called this nonsense <laughs> and change the world. You're changing nothing. Right. And then, and by the way, at that time, you're only talking about stories of, of you know, the few times you've had sex at that point in your life because you think the, <laughs> the world wants to hear that and that that's really revolutionary. Like, like that's what's going to defeat the Illuminati is, uh, is you <laughs> and a girl named Erin in a, a park bench on a Friday morning. And she's playing with your ding dong. No, that ain't that ain't gonna do nothing. Oh, big revolution. Oh, down with the government. That's gonna get Nader in office. You stupid. But that's how we all felt then. And so you couldn't get in the casinos because they wanted dudes in suits with. You know what's funny about blackjack? That there's no white jack. Oh, it's just, oh god. Oh. <laughs> Not funny. White jack. I'm telling you. Wow. So how do you stay in the, like you're saying, in the industry, you'd left for a tiny bit. Um, it, does it become so challenging at some point or just, you know, some people just, they just can't deal with it because it is a crazy industry, any type of entertainment, you know, musicians, comedians, all this stuff. So how do you stay, I guess, sane, so to speak, when you are dealing yeah, with, you know, so so many people who want to be comedians or want to be musicians and, you know, the competition is just so great. So, so what do you do, and how do you find your niche? And you definitely found your niche, Mad Dog, because you're just you are one of a kind. So, how well, do you develop you. your style along the way? Like it's just like by failing. Like, there's no easy way of putting it. Like, I tell mm-hmm. everyone who starts, like, like it's just you're gonna fail a lot, and that's how you end up succeeding in the end. It's just like anything else. Like, if you don't lose, you can't win. So it's like, yep. uh, I, I cannot express this enough to people how many times you contemplate not just quitting when you start doing stand-up and a couple years in, how much you contemplate um, jumping off buildings because of the embarrassment that you have just shown to your family and friends who have piled into a a bar where people were gambling on video poker machines and making coke deals in the bathrooms. Like, you bomb there in front of your family and friends after they've been Oh, you're a comic for like two, three months, and then they come to see you, and you're garbage. You're rubbish. You're the person who made them laugh at dinner for years, at school right. for years, at the work lunch table for years, and now you're speaking almost like in gibberish, like some, like spoken, like some. You're just speaking in tongues to them because because you think you're making sense, but it's just psychobabble on stage, and it's just stupid. 
and not funny without punchlines. And you go home and you're, you've told everyone who will listen, you're a comedian. You realize you really aren't yet. And that it's going to take years before right. you're decent, let alone good. And those are the moments that end up making you. And mm-hmm. that's when you end up being able to become funny. But it's very, I mean, I see some people out in New York really quick, do all right and get things real quick two years in. So their journey's different. But I'd say for most people, you really have right. to suck for a long time. Yeah, and you got to work at it, and you got to just do that grunt work, and it's it's tough. It's not easy. And I think, like you said, yeah. people go in with this delusion or this illusion that, like you said, oh, I'm funny, I'm making the family laugh, or I'm making my friends laugh, and I'm just going to be a stand-up comic. And right, either you're going to have it and you're going to work really hard to develop it, or eventually you're probably just going to fall short and you know leave the scene if it doesn't work out. Yeah. And a lot of people do. Like, there's a club closing in New York in, like, a week. And it's a club I worked at uh, a lot for, like, the last year, and I like it. And Mm -hmm. everyone's, you know, oh, what is this person going to do? What are you going to do? And then you realize a couple names come up, and you go, those people are going to quit comedy because that's the only place they work. Right. And that that happened a year ago. That's a good, actually, just to incorporate this as you're talking about this club closing, that's a good point because – I know some people that just that are, you know, just starting out and they're just constantly at the same thing, the same club. And I, I say, why don't you try to branch out and why don't you, you know, and I'll even make suggestions just from people I've met along the way. And it's kind of like, no, 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 I just, I'm just going to stick there for now. And I feel like you're kind of selling yourself short and you're really kind of narrowing the field in terms of not only your audience, but you know what I mean? Yeah, and- Look, I had it happen to me a year ago. I mean, luckily I was starting to get out, but, like, my home club closed a year ago. And there's still people I know who are regulars there who worked every night and got paid and made a living there who have not gone on stage since. Haven't gone on stage since because no one really knows who they are and no one cares, and they only became good there at a certain kind of thing that got them laughs, and it doesn't work everywhere else, and they're gone. Luckily, I... Stuck my toe out in a couple other places, and now you know. Right. Luckily, you know. You know, here's right. the great irony. So I'm freaking out because this club. I'm like, oh my god, how am I going to make up that money? I'll be with this club. This is a sign. Uh oh, times are going to get tough. And then a few hours later, I get an email from a new club that's opening, saying, "Hey, we're opening in a couple of weeks. When are you available, dummy?" And that's nice. the huge of it. But that's because you get around, man, and you ain't just yeah. working the same place. How's anyone in New York going to hear about you if you only play in Des Moines, baby? Right, <laughs> right. So the corner going to send the message? No, nah, man, that ain't going to happen. So then you would recommend that people, like you're saying, try to step outside of their home club or wherever they're regularly performing and try to get on different bills and, and in front of different different audiences. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy when some clubs do like to have the same people over and over and they pay you. It's hard to say no because it's guaranteed. Right. But it is. No, I'm, I'm, I mean, if you just stay the same place, you're not going to grow, and no one's. It's just going to end up being, I don't know, in that small community while everyone else is right. growing and becoming a part of the world. You're just staying in one neighborhood. Exactly, and I'm talking about people mad dog that are starting out. So these people aren't really making any money. I mean, they're doing it for the experience, et cetera, et cetera. They're not making a living out of this. They have regular jobs, and they do this at night to start, you know, building their skills and et cetera. So. I know. Yeah, but I think that's so important for people to kind of branch out. 
and kind of get their faces, like you said, in different places in front of different audiences and, and get your name out there. It's so important. So why don't we do this? Because I want to get into talking more about your act, talking about social productions, the Ronnie Munn block party, all that good stuff that you guys have coming up. Um, so I wanted to play a little bit. I had someone get me an MP3 of the uh, YouTube video of you handling a heckler at the Looney Bin. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so I figured let's, you know, just I always like to play some audio if I have it available. So let's let's play some of that. And then uh, when we come back, we'll really get into, uh, you know, your unique style and, and all the other good things that you have in the works. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Sound good? Do you want to give a little introduction about this just so you can kind of, oh, before we do this, actually, we have someone on the line for you. Let's do that. Let's take the call. Great. The person's been on Maybe it's my real it. father. It'll be oh. exciting. Oh, okay. Let's do this. All right. Hold on. Hi, Mad Dog. Yeah, yes. this is the Mad Dog. This is impediment, man. Oh, I have how a are you? for Mad Dog. Good. How are you doing, Good, buddy? Hey, um, I'll, I'll see you in Vegas this weekend. Um, Outstanding, I wanted, buddy. Yeah, I'll buy you a beer. I was going to ask you, uh, who are your influences in comedy? My influences in comedy. Okay, um, other than alcohol and caffeine, probably uh, <laughs> my uncle Billy. My godfather, Butch, my grandfather, Richard Pryor, Rickles, Pat Cooper, Sam Keniston, Ronnie Dangerfield, Woody Allen, Vince Vaughn in the movie Made, everyone who's ever in a mob movie ever, and uh, let's throw in Chick Hearn, the announcer for the Lakers, even though I'm a Celtics fan. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> him in. and then oh yeah, what about Iggy Pop? A bunch of rock stars: Axl Rose, David Lee Roth, Flavor Flav. How, how about me? There you go. What's that? How about Who? me? Me? Um, I wouldn't have the success that I'm having right now, sitting in my underwear on my couch in the dark in Queens, <laughs> and talking to you. If it wasn't for the first time I saw you in that cape, I think at Tommy Rockers in Las Vegas playing to 13 people, and 12 of them yeah. weren't paying attention. If it wasn't for that fateful day, I, I'd i be nothing, Speech. So I appreciate all the hard work that you've given me in my life. Uh, let, me, let me ask you, what's the significance of uh, wearing your hat on stage? Is that like your good luck charm? Oh, good question. That, that is that I'm going bald. And I don't have much confidence with my hat off because I need, um, I think a lot of this, like I have real glasses now, but for years I wore sunglasses on stage and I wore a hat. And I think part of it was probably uh, almost like creating a superhero persona. It's just like, okay, this is, uh, I think I ended up being who I am on stage. So like the dude I grew up, Jamie Lewis Mattern, that neurotic, crazy energy guy is Right. I think initially it was going to be a separate character, and I just never, it just ended up not, the line got blurred. And so my nickname that I had was going to be a character, but it just, oh, one dude. So, right. boom. But I think I, it started as kind of like a cape 
kind of like what you do, my friend. And kind of like right. Superman, whose backstory I was trying to steal at right. the beginning of this wonderful interview. Um, so now, that's what it is. Are, I, that's like Batman's cape. Right. What do you think now, about that? That's like utility belt. My hat. <laughs> yeah. Bane now, will break my you, back if I don't have it. There you go. Now, are you Please, big yes. enough to bang a list celebrity that your show? <laughs> Probably not. I think I can definitely get. I could definitely well, get D level. I think I could so definitely get like high level big celebrities. So you're if still doing Jan Celebrity Jones is at the gig, I will bang her, even though she's probably pushing seventy. But I would bang her. I mean, it will. It, that's going down. And I think Mayor Goodman's wife, who is actually the mayor now, she'd probably throw it at me in front of the mayor because of my stature in Vegas. I am confident if, like, Lady Gaga saw me that I could bang her. Now, that probably sounds very Mark David Chapman-ish. I'm going to be quite honest. That sounds probably (laughs) stalkerish. But I'm that confident that she would think I'm as crazy as her. So that's the one celebrity I think. Most others wouldn't. Would Scarlett Johansson sleep with me after sitting around stage? Probably not, unless there was a lot of cameras. But I think, like, a Lady Gaga, I could pull. That's the one A I could pull. Nice. (laughs) All right, well, speech Any other? You want to have one more question? You have some great questions. Yeah, speech impediment just no. became Ed Bradley out of nowhere. I don't know how this happened. Uh, All of a sudden, this is 60 <laughs> minutes. I mean, I that was good. Facing. He said some really good questions. No, I'm about done. I, Mad Dog, you are one funny guy, and um, I you, still sir. remember doing that radio show with. You and Shuley in Las Vegas at one in the morning were probably just prostitutes and drug dealers to listen to. Yeah, I um, think you're correct on that, yes. (laughs) I think think prostitutes and drug dealers own the station we were working for, I think. Probably, probably. Yeah. Probably. They were probably Uh, the ones listening because they owned the station. Probably. Well, I'll right. see if I could get you laid this weekend in Vegas and tell J.D. if he wants, I'll take him to the chicken ranch. Thank you, Speech. We're all hoping we get some of that side speech impediment man pussy this weekend. Thank you. Okay, I'll see you this weekend. Okay, you later. Got it, buddy. All right. All Thanks right. for calling in. All right. Bye. I he like did. how he uh, went up a couple tones. Like, he got a little more baritone on some things. Like, yes, exactly. Like, we'll get back some. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's called into a couple of the other, like, Stern-related shows where I've had people that have been, you know, somehow affiliated with it. So he's always so nice. Okay, oh, he's so let's best. Do, I know. He's very nice. Let's uh, check out some of your stand-up. And as I said, do you want to do a brief uh, introduction to let people, like, People really need to see this to appreciate your style. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to play off. But, um, okay, so a couple years ago, I got called last minute to go host the show, and I was mm-hmm. on Little Sleep because I just uh, start, became a regular at Caroline's, and I had a really good set there, and I felt really excited. Like, I crushed there, and all these good things were happening. And so I didn't sleep, and I went to do this gig, and I thought it would be cake, but I was wrong because it was in Staten Island. Now, if you're in Staten Island and you're offended by that, Shut up, because you realize that you probably would put me in the same situation that this crowd did. 
Um, it's Staten Island's tough. Everyone gets that. There's a chip on the shoulder because it's by far the fifth borough, and a lot of people think it's part of New Jersey. So there's that dynamic with those crowds every night. I enjoy Staten Island. I play there a lot. It's cool. But this was a typical, stereotypical, rough crowd there. No one was doing well. I was struggling up front. And on top of it, this girl who may or may not have been involved with someone who's involved in my career, that's another story, <laughs> showed up. And I had not met her till Facebook. Like, I was Facebook friends with her, maybe even MySpace friends at that point. Believe wow. That. And all of a sudden, I meet her in between, like, the second comic and third comic. And between the third and the fourth comic, she starts yelling, save the, cheer- save the cheerleaders. Like heroes, and she jumps on stage. She grabs the mic. She's trying to become create like a political rally, but basically she just wasn't on her lithium. Like she wasn't taking her medication, and she started <laughs> drinking. And later in the night, her Italian stepfather came to pick her up and was yelling at us and threatening us like we did something. No, oh you didn't watch God. your stepdaughter, and she got effed up like a soup sandwich and acted a fool. It's embarrassing and horrible, but don't don't be mad at me because I smirk a little because she's talking about heroes, and I think she might have referenced, like, Chippendale Rescue Rangers at some point, too. So, look, there it is. That's your big intro to the clip. There you go. Okay, so we're going to put you on hold, and then we'll we'll be back in a moment with you, okay? Outstanding. All right, hold on. All right, everyone, again, you are listening to the comedian Mad Dog Mattern. Please check him out at maddogmattern.com, and he's going to be on the Ronnie Block Party this upcoming weekend in uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. So uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that, as well as Soul Productions and a lot of other good things he has to share. So welcome to YouTube in town tonight. I'm Mad Dog Mattern. I'm your host. I'm going to be... Uh up and down all night with you guys, talking smack, talking to you. I hope you're here to have fun. Thank you for clapping at Nutty Professor. Hercules, Hercules, good. And you too, well, it's a competition between you two. I can't wait. All right. Good. So uh, we got a lot of new acts. We got a couple pros on the bill. Uh, let's just have fun, man. It's a Wednesday. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little sleep, so I, I got the coffee in me. I like the fact that it's 80% women. I think this is exciting. I want to get loose tonight. Are you guys down with that? Look at these ladies. They're going to party. I'm going to do a lot of pop culture references. If you don't get the references, just go home and Google okay? Tomorrow the shit's funnier, okay? Funnier. I love your hoop earrings. I want to jump through them like I'm Shamu. God bless you, all right? But I want to tag someone on this, all right? I want, to, I want you to light them on fire, give me a tricycle and a red, white, and blue suit. I'll be the little evil evil, all right? You're the last hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're the last one, baby. Woo! <laughs>
Welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. And again, that was Mad Dog Mattern. 
dealing with a heckler at the Looney Bin Comedy Club, and I thought he did an amazing job. I think he's a little too hard on himself. I thought it was a great bit. And, again, please check it out. Go to YouTube. He has a couple of other uh, bits up on YouTube. Um, and I want to talk with one about uh, some crazy stuff where he memorized all of the NFL quarterbacks or winning quarterbacks, and uh, he was interviewed by another comedian. So we'll talk about that in a moment. A couple of quick plugs. want to give a plug to Flirt Energy Drink. Check them out at flirtdrink.com. It is an amazing energy drink, drink that is um, specifically formulated for the female athlete. And uh, one of my songs off of my debut album, Leave It All Behind, uh, my song Vanilla Skies, which is a very kind of radio-friendly pop rock song, is used to represent the product. I also want to give a shout-out to irocktv.co. It's an amazing website specifically for independent artists, musicians, and they're going to be launching a online magazine coming this fall. So check them out. It's spelled I, just the letter I, rocktv.co. And uh, also want to give a plug to Davin's Den, which is a fast-paced podcast, and it's featured every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. features comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh out loud, check out Davin's Den. If you want to see live episodes or hear or watch old episodes or to find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den, and it's spelled D-A-V-I-N on davincomedy.com. All right, so let's bring Mad Dog back on the air. All right, Mad Dog, I thought it was a great stand-up bit. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh... Let me say this is the first time ever someone's played a clip of a performer when they're being heckled. I think it's uh, absolutely hilarious. Okay, um, I'm sorry. Let's well, show well, 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 you being heckled. That's, uh, that's like interviewing a former president and opening with, so remember that time you let Chernobyl burn? Uh, so it's great. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, no, it's something, yeah. I thought it was something different. I thought you did a great it job handling it. And the crowd, and the, I think the crowd really liked you. It sounded good. I think at the end, it sounded, uh, the end is very appealing because it really sounds real, which it was, and like a social experiment. It sounds very, it almost sounds like, I don't know, like I'm in one flew over a cuckoo's nest. I feel like I'm just yelling at inmates at that point. <laughs> well, you know what? You can you can blame, uh, and we're just going to do this for fun, but you can you can blame Soljo because I had asked him for some audio, and that's the stuff he sent me. <laughs> So, Believe uh, me, he will get blamed. Don't worry about okay. that. That will happen. <laughs> we love you, Joel. I'm sorry. I just don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> no, I thought you did a really good job. And you know what, Magic, to be honest, that's something all comedians have to deal with. I mean, I'm sure every comedian out there has at one time experienced a heckler and had to manage it. And I thought you did a great job, and I thought you really tied the audience in at the end, and people seemed to really enjoy you. It was, it was, a, it was a fun night. It was uh, interesting. It could have been worse, I guess. I could her stepdad could have stabbed me. I mean, this so dude I, hope, I feel bad now. Like I hope you're not like annoyed. I feel bad. No, I, it now was I'm getting the, the complex. <laughs> don't get the complex. You're the one who's supposed to be in control. Remember that. <laughs> you can't get the complex. No, I know. Okay, so uh, looked like he might have worked for Mussolini. I'm being honest. I mean, this guy was a scary. Like, I feel like he was too scary to work for the mafia back in Italy. Like this dude was straight up. Scary looking dude. Like wow. she probably didn't take her men- mental medicine because he was probably taking it or selling wow. it to someone else. 
Like, that, that's the kind of dude we're dealing with. That's crazy. So, see, you had an interesting story behind it, too, and that's what's always entertaining is when you can share the stories and the experiences that come along with it. Yeah, this is actually a pilot for my uh, my VH1 show, Behind the Heckler, that I'm developing. It's going to be right. uh, where we come up and we talk about heckling <laughs> experiences, and we just break down that fateful night. We'll bring in interviews. I'll bring you the the uh, Canadian couple that had just moved to Staten Island that was in the front row and wasn't paying attention. I'll have them talk about the night. I'll have Vic, the owner of the Looney Bin, say that we were all a bunch of sociopaths. It'll be an outstanding night. We'll find that girl, and she'll say the same exact things that she said on stage, saving the world and all that. It'll be awesome. Oh, well, I thought you did a great job, so kudos Thank to you. you. How did the uh, – uh, what is it called when the comment board with Mooski? Like, how did they react oh, yeah, to that? He, let me see what Mooski said, if he said something about it. Um, Mooski right now, let's see. He wants to know first, who is your favorite professional wrestler? Oh, that's Ric Flair and Roddy Piper followed by Dusty Rhodes. That's just easy. Okay. And they all influenced oh. me as well, too, yes. And he said that he's loving it. So there you go. You got, hey, you, you got a thumbs up from Mooski. That's all that matters. If Mooski gives it a thumbs up, no one else counts. <laughs> you and Mooski, it's like the Electoral College. You and Mooski <laughs> each are like Texas and Florida. Like, you have a lot of votes. Everyone else is just, is like Idaho. No offense there to Idaho or people from there. Yeah. There you go. And and other so positive comments he gives other positive comments he gives you is Mad Dog Rules. Um he up oh, Mad Dog wins and he can't wait to see you at the LA block party. Um oh, he's putting good. a huge stern sand party together in LA for the block party. So you got tons of good stuff there. Can we there have that at Roscoe's chicken and waffle place, Mooski, in LA? Let's take all the Stern fans let's be honest, are probably going to be a lot of suburban white people. Let's go to Roscoe's. Let's go to the one by USC's university, uh, their <laughs> campus, and let's just do it. The, the black folk in there will be more scared of uh, of the Stern people, but I, that's how we're going to bring cultures together, and it's the best food in the world. So there you go. Let's he start that now, Lusky. Let's get the petition. Let's He's go eat chicken and waffles in the hood, and it'll be great. He's down for it. He said, let's do it. There you go. He's good to go. Look at this. Look at this. This is is the kind of mediating they need in the Middle East. They need me in the Middle East, and they needed me in a time machine 20 years ago with Biggie and Tupac. And then, you know, they'd be still around. They'd be still around. Wow, that's funny. All right, you actually have questions. I can tell you. I could tell you have questions, and I'm just bouncing around like a maniac. No, no, that's Please, fine. I'm that's sorry. fine. I just want to. I want to make sure we cover, you know, anything that you want to plug. Again, the show's for you, so whatever you want to cover. Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you met up with uh, Soul Joel, and uh, you know, just you know, give a plug for his production company and how you started working with him, as well as please fill in your podcast, right, Dog in the Park, that you also have. I don't do that. That doesn't happen anymore. No. That's, oh, that okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. I pulled that from your bio. <laughs> no, it was a segment on his radio show, but I don't uh, I don't even do that anymore. I just met him. Uh, to be honest, I don't remember meeting him. He remembers it. And I feel like a, a jerk, but it's the truth. Uh, <laughs> he met me at some show we're doing in the city, and he contacted me to do a gig, and I was too busy. And then he offered me money to do it, and I wasn't as busy anymore. I guess the money was better than what I was going to get somewhere else. 
and I still got to go to the other place, so it all worked out. And then he started using me on the road and all that. So boom. Nice. Well, it seems like you guys have a really good working relationship. I mean, you're doing a lot of gigs. You know, he's promoting you a lot. You're on a lot of different gigs that he's uh, hosting. So it seems like it's going well. It's amazing. It's changing everyone's life. There you go. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting. And, again, I, I wasn't going to play one of these bits because I just felt that you really needed to see you doing it to really appreciate it. But your memory, yeah. I thought, is just phenomenal. And uh, comedian Chris DiStefano, is, did I pronounce it correctly? DiStefano? DiStefano, yeah. Yes. So I was watching some of the um, interviews that he was doing where you were rattling off, like I said, for example, the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So how, I mean, this memory of yours, has it always been like that? It's just unbelievable. And you can incorporate, too, just how you pull in the crowd and you just remember so many little details about each person when there's like, you know, 50, 60 people in the room. Um, it's just if I'm obsessed with something, yeah, it just happens. Like, I always was obsessed with, like, movies and television and Star Wars and comic books and later sports and music and just everything else. So I just, yeah, if I like something, I get obsessed with it, then I can remember it. Okay. And so, yeah, I've been obsessed with, like, the Super Bowl. So I just remember one night I couldn't sleep, so I just was like, I wonder if I could think of every Super Bowl ever. And I was like, I wonder if I can name every starting quarterback. I wonder if I can name every losing quarterback. <laughs> and that's where that started. And I started telling people that out of just boredom. If, someone was bored, if I was bored, I'd be like, guess what? I can name every winning quarterback ever at the Super Bowl. No, nah, man. I don't even think people said, no, nah, man. I think people initially said, yeah, is that important? Who cares? And then they'd start gossiping about some other comic and what show they got. But eventually they would listen to me, and i just rattle it off. Wow. So did you have to literally memorize it, or, I mean, is it just it's something in my head, you... Wow. But what about, for example, with school? If you were studying for a test, could you literally, do you have a photographic memory where you could just kind of look at Not information? At and rem... Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I could memorize. I would study, I would, I would study, like, in college, like, four hours a day, probably. Like, just, I would go to the bars and look over the notes. I'd take it to eat, but I'd meet mm -hmm. up with the boys and watch football. And I'd go home and study. And then after a test, like in summer, I would, it was like a drug, even though I hated it. Like you were craving. Like I was like, what do I have to learn today? What do I have to learn? And it's nothing. And I don't, I never, like I did not memorize that stuff that much, like after the test. So that's, that's where that fails. Like you cram to learn all this stuff for tests and you don't really retain much of it, I think. Right. No, it's true. I agree with you with that. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. I just thought that was really interesting. And if, again, if anyone listening in wants to check him out, uh, go to YouTube, type in, type in Mad Dog Matter. And like I said, you'll see uh, comedian Chris DiStefano uh, interviewing him. And it's really interesting hearing him rattle off a bunch of different uh, things from memory. So I thought it was pretty cool. Um, all right. So why don't we spend a little time? Tell us about Ronnie's block party and how you became, which is Congratulations, amazing. Now a permanent part of uh, this tour that these guys are doing, which seems to be just building and getting more and more popular. So tell us a little bit about that. So, like, I hadn't talked to Shuli in a little while, and then he gave me a call out of the blue. He's like, I got a gig for you. This was, like, last October. Like, I want you to go to Long Island and be a part of this thing. Because I was doing some of the Miserable Men show when they were doing mm -hmm. that. I would host those. And then next thing you know, I mean, the Miserable Men went off the air, 
And so, surely got this tour together. I'm like, sure, whatever, dude. I went up there. It was a lot of fun. It was a train wreck. Like, more so than any of them. The first one I was at really seemed like pure chaos. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, this thing's going to be And why was ridiculous. that? How's this going to last? What was it going was on there? You know, such a... It's just insane. It's just, uh, it's, first of all, it's not hosted by a comic. I mean, it was hosted by Ronnie, and Ronnie's great, but he's not a comic, so it just seemed like, oh, my God, this is just, shouldn't we have a, someone who's been doing this for, like, years, hosting it? The crowd, the crowd wants blood. It was just insane, but it, it ends up being great. I ended up having a blast, and uh, got along really good with Ronnie and that, and then they did a few of them without me, and then I guess I got brought up to come in in February in Connecticut, and the, like the day before I went to do those, they told me I was going to fill in for John Toll in San Francisco and Sacramento in, uh, in April, and then by the time the gigs were done that weekend, they said, you're on the rest of the tour, so... It went good enough. Like, I, I, I got standing O's each show in Connecticut. Nice. I had a bunch of neo-Nazis in the front row oh. trying to start shit. <laughs> and I, I like, and they stood up like they were going to fight, and I got them to sit down. And it was it was a lot of, like, I punked them out. But it was cool, man. And so and now I'm a part of the show, and I get, I get the show. I think, like, the first time I did it, I had, like, the total snobby comedian idea. Like, this is not a, how a comedy show is. And then the more and more I'm a part of the show, it's great. It's we don't kid anyone. I think people think, like, I got comedian buddies think this is a proper comedy show. It's not a proper comedy show. This is a rock and roll comedy train wreck. That's the right. beauty. Right. And we have JD now, who is glue, as kind of the co-host with Ronnie. So JD is great, and he's the glue, and he tries to move things along. Ronnie comes out. Ronnie's the biggest rock star you're ever going to meet in their life. Um, people <laughs> love him. He'll just scream things. He gets you fired up. His catchphrases are great. And it's the energy's awesome. And then you have me, who warms up the crowd for comedy. And then you've got John Toll, who's great, who has really edgy jokes and great material. And then yeah, Julie like him closes a lot it too. out. Nice. It's great. It's a perfect combination. And it's anchored by a train wreck. That's the beauty. Think- it's a combination. You don't know what's going to happen, and that's the beauty of it. Exactly. And I enjoy it. I, I, I like that the date. Yeah. Right. I think that's what's so unique about it is, like you're saying, it's not just a typical stand-up act, and there's so many different, creative, unique individuals on it that bring different things to the table. And like you said, at any moment, it's so unpredictable, and that's why the guests really love it. Not just because they're starting fans, but like you're saying, that unpredictable quality of it really just pulls people in because you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, and when we played Jersey like a month and a half ago, when a guy – came to attack me, uh, and no one felt like it was a great show. Like, Ronnie, none, all of us were in our heads. There was fights backstage with, like, Debbie the Pet Lady and JD. Oh I almost gosh. got attacked. I almost had to fight a dude on, while I was on stage. It was insane, and the, all our spirits were low. Truly got off stage like, man, that was a really good show, huh? And the rest of us like, what? No, we, we just can't wait to get to Providence tomorrow. And then as people talked... And he got reports, and he would be telling us, like, sounds like this is people's favorite show. Why? Because it absolutely came close to breaking. Wow. Like the old Willie Allen line in Crumbs and Mr. Demeanor, uh, Alan Alda plays the, the prick comedy producer, and, he, you know, he pontificates the whole time about what comedy is, like a big jackass. And he's like, <laughs> if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. This show flirts with breaking, and people want to watch it break. It's almost like jackass. 
But right. then when it doesn't, you see the beauty of it. And that's what this show is. Is it aesthetically like seeing Pryor and Paul Mooney at the comedy store in 75? No. And I'm telling you, if you're expecting that, um, rip up your fucking ticket or give it to someone else. But if you are open to letting the night be what it is and some excitement and some chaos. In San Francisco, Ronnie and Scott almost got in a fight like pro wrestling. Ronnie was going to hit Scott with a goddamn mic stand. Oh, my I then gosh. I brought up to no music in an 800-seat venue. No one knows who I am. I kill my first two minutes and nice. still get heckled and have to annihilate a heckler. I turn the whole balcony, which happens to be every Mexican in San Francisco, who loved me even more when they found out I might be Mexican, and they're challenging people down low who uh, might not like me to a fight. At the end, I get a standing O, and I have every chulo in the Bay Area has my back for the rest of my life, and half of them look like the guys from training day who were going to push Ethan Hawke's ship in. Oh and my. it was insane. It's like it's almost like old ECW wrestling. That's the beauty of this show. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen, and who cares? That's, That's awesome. The beauty of it. I mean, God damn it! How much are we going to spend money to just hear the same jokes and the same songs? Let's have some danger. Go see right. and that's, that's why I loved when like I that. came to see you, Mad Dog. That's especially why I loved when I came to see you because it was such. No, your show wasn't. Oh, well, no, no, no. When I, I haven't seen Ronnie's I'm, I'm, I'm party chaos. yet. I've got to get to one at some point. But I'm saying just your show was so unique, so different, just refreshing, because it wasn't the typical stand-up act, and you brought something just very, like I said, original um, and novel to the table. So I just thought it was really cool. And Muski has loved it. Uh, he said the New Jersey par- rock party was nuts. He was there. It was madness, and uh, you guys did great, and he laughed his ass off. So... Again, you got uh, kudos oh. from uh, Muski. Now, but here. on a traditional aesthetic uh, standpoint, no one felt that. I mean, it just it did not feel like what it's supposed to be. But everyone there left amazed. It was right. because it was like I said, it, I mean, Muski, it felt like the ECW arena. Like when I got off that stage <laughs> and I, I, I yelled my last three minutes in a packed room with no mic, I almost lost my voice. I felt like I was Sabu jumping through a flaming table onto, like, a Sandman. I might have lost the women who are listening with that, but it's okay. Um, we'll wow. win you back at some point. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll get cliff notes to Fifty Shade of Grey. But uh, that's what it felt like. And it was insane. It was fun to be a part of. That's awesome. And and maybe one day, this would be interesting, I'd like to come as a social psych experiment. I could be the psychologist behind the scenes dealing with the madness once the crazy show is over. <laughs> yeah, and prescribing us all stuff because I mean we're all absolutely insane. I mean we'll the personality disorders that are on this tour is insane. <laughs> like wow. we should do what Metallica did for some kind of monster. We should just have a, a therapist. And, and I would. Oh, we, we'll it. talk off the air. Oh, I would. I'd pay my own way and come just for not only entertainment, just to experience this whole thing and try to help you guys out. Oh, I think it would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. We'll bring Scott in like Dave Mustaine did in a, some kind of... I mean, have you seen that movie as a therapist? No. Have you seen where Metallica goes to a therapist because they're about to break up? They go back no, and find their own guitar that. player and talk to him. It's absolutely great on a lot of really? levels. Really? If you okay. ever do psychology or have you ever gone to therapy... I mean, it's 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 nice to see other people going through it, and you can relate to it. 
But let's get to the real meat. What's awesome is it's, it's funnier than Spinal Tap because you can't believe that this is actually happening to Metallica, that this is the band that looked like four truckers on no dose singing about riding lightning and die, die, wow. die as one of their lyrics is now getting in touch with their feelings. And then the next scene, going to their daughter's uh, ballet recital. It's unbelievable. And then selling their paintings while drinking wine and crying. It's, it's better than Wow. I'll have to get the name and from you for real. that. I'll have to definitely it's check that out. Very cool. So let's, uh, let's start wrapping things up. You did great tonight. I mean, we did over an hour, which is awesome. And, uh, yeah, why don't you just uh, just share with the audience anything else you'd like to, as well as where people can find you, any social media sites you're on, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, and then we'll uh, we'll start wrapping things up. Okay, so let's go. Twitter is the main thing these days. You can find me on Facebook, Mad Dog Matter, and Sick Pattern with an M. So that's cool, but I like using Twitter um, because, for lack of a better term, I'm an insult comic. I'm as friendly as insult comic, in case you're wondering. I'm a ball. I'm a wonderful, sweet ball breaker. But because of that, um, I noticed that people want abuse even on Twitter. I got heckled ironically at a Metallica concert a month and a half ago by someone who saw me at the Toronto block party, saying, "Why aren't you as funny on Twitter as you were at the block party?" And oh then I replied, God. "Why don't you, yeah, why don't you piss in a cup and serve it to your family?" And two hours later, during the uh, encore, the guy goes, "Look who got funny again." So I realized. I should take advantage of this. So every Wednesday, I do a thing called Rickles Wednesday, where if you want me to insult you, just ask or insult me first. And sometimes we have crazy dialogue. <laughs> Last week, I got about 85. I had to write like 85 insults. It was a lot wow. of fun. And that was only like the fifth week. So um, Rickles Wednesday on Twitter. Hashtag Rickles Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Enjoy this from, you know, America's sweetest insult comic. Enjoy, have nice. fun with me. It's a lot of fun. Find me on there, and then uh, yeah, dude. Usually every Sunday, if I'm not on the road with the block party in New York, I'm at Stand Up New York hosting, and uh, all around Ethel Comedy Club, the Stand Comedy Club, which is open in a couple weeks, Caroline's, you find me all those places. Stolzel Productions, the Looney Bin. These are places I regular. Um, cool. Come on down, dude. My home club, Stand Up New York, and the other clubs are dope too. And then anyone who pays me, and um, I don't know how much people got to see my ball breaking, but you can get a hold of me. I play parties. I did bachelor parties. I, in, I do roasts. Whatever it takes, baby. I'm here. I just played a boat last week for cops and Hasidic Jews. It was unbelievable. And I couldn't go anywhere. I was forced to make them laugh because you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, baby. Right, right. So you, <laughs> it, if they don't like you, tell them to shut up, and then you swallow some sushi, which was on the, the boat, and it was great. So these are the things I do. These are the places you can find me. Nice. What do you nice. think about we, that? Is that exciting? I think that's great. Oh, absolutely. And, and please find me. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. I'll follow you too. I'm trying to do the same thing, support people. So yeah, just type me in and great. I'll uh, follow you. You follow me. That'll be cool. No, you did a great job tonight, Madra. Thank you so much for for coming on the show, for entertaining me and the audience. You have an amazing story, and you're just a phenomenal. Canadian, and I just see you uh, continuing to uh, grow and grow and grow in this industry. You're going to be uh, going to be you. huge at some point. I know you will be. It's an honor. I uh, I had a lot of fun. I just want you to know, one of my buddies came up to me the other day, and he's okay. like, on your Facebook page, I saw you with a girl, and she was really cute, and we figured out it was you. So I want you to know that there's people who look on my page 
and are probably now stalking you. I just want you to know that there's dudes getting Great. excited looking at you on Facebook. I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> or a creep out. I just figured you should know that. I don't know where your self-esteem is, but I don't know if that helps it. I just have to say. Well, thank you, thank you for crazy. alerting me. I, I appreciate the heads up. <laughs> yeah, you might want to block your page is what I'm trying to tell you. Well, my one page I max, so I can't even accept anyone on the one page that I'm friends with you on. I'm done. I'm over the limit. So I did start. I'm glad I made one. the cut. <clears throat> I'm, well, you know what happened? Wait, here's the funky thing. And I was so upset, and then I just I gave up as a psychologist, and I said, you know what? Move on. Start a second page. So I started a second page. But one day it was weird. I was keeping like 50 or 60 spots open where I could request people, or you know, people could request me that I really wanted to add to that page because I knew I was going to max out yeah. at some point. And then. A few days later, it goes up to, like, 5,300 friends. And I'm like, well, where did these 300 new people come from? Because I think there's something wrong with the stats, to be honest. I mean, I'm over the 5,000, but I noticed a lot of people, Florentine, like some of these other people, they also have, like, 5,500 people, but you can't usually max out more than 5,000. So it's weird. I don't know what it is. So anyway. It's because Jim, Jim gave a hand job to, <laughs> what's his name, the oh, nerd that the, the owner of, of Facebook. Right, right. What's that nerd's name? <laughs> I can't that? remember that dude's name. That, who's the nerd oh, on well, Facebook? Uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. You yeah. gave him a hand job while wearing a scorpion shirt, and that's how he got. <laughs> how funny a scene would that be? Like, I, I wouldn't want to see another dude jerk off another dude, but if it's quarantine trying to get 500 extra fans on his page while wearing a <laughs> 1981 scorpion shirt, it would be fun for at least three seconds. That would be funny. That would be really funny. Oh, they're probably trying so, to public. Look, I love gay folks. I will kiss a gay guy in the ear later. Don't worry. Nice. I'll probably wash my mouth out after, but no. What? Whoa. Just playing that. So beautiful. So, as you were saying, the joke around with the people that might be either creeping or whatever it was, I did start a second page, so we'll, we'll have to see if the numbers start uh, picking up in terms of getting, me getting requests on that one. <laughs> or you might have to change your name and move to Washington. So I'm just, I'm just giving you that option. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't really you. think that's that bad. But for comedic, you know, for response, I had to go that direction. I just that's want you to fine. know that. No, that's fine. I, I accept it. That's fine. <laughs> Are you going to be able to sleep tonight, or are you going to have to take six melatonins after this news? Well, what was the news? The Washington news? No, about the news of uh, <laughs> that I have uh, after the joking that my buddy might stalk you. Oh, are you no, going to Are you maybe. actually just you know, are you gonna, off the record, you no know where comments? I work. You know where I work and what I do oh, yeah. on a daily basis. Are you kidding me? That's nothing. You got tough skin. <laughs> oh, I believe me. I'm sh- just like you've developed it in the industry. I've developed not only in entertainment but in corrections. Oh, believe me, the two the two industries together are just crazy, craziness. So, yeah. So definitely, definitely have a tough skin. Word. Yep. So, but let's definitely be in touch, Mad Dog. I can't wait to see you at an upcoming show. Bring the block party back to New Jersey. Tell Shuli and Ronnie and all them, and and let them know you're on the show. Maybe they'll do a little uh, news brief on you. That'll be cool. It'll be great. Oh yeah, we're gonna be in Philly October 19th. The block party okay. tickets should go on sale Monday on Cleanbox Entertainment.com. Right, nice. So, cool y'all. Okay. Right. Right, last baby. Thank you so much for calling in, and you did a great job tonight. And much continued success to you. And and please keep in touch. And I hope I get a heckler tonight at the gig I'm going to right now. And I will hopefully I can do the justice that I did on the other night. I'm tired. I got a medicine. All right, this is done. I'll talk to you later. I'm done. Okay. Love Take you. care, Bye. Mad Dog. Bye. 
All right, everyone. Again, that was comedian Mad Dog Matter. And tonight on the Carrie Edelman Show, he did an amazing job. If for some reason you tuned in late or you couldn't catch the show, the podcast will be available once the show is over. Just again, want to thank everyone for their continued support. The show has been doing just so well, and we have so many amazing guests coming up in the fall. I'm currently booking. I'm almost done with September, so I'll be booking into October. If anyone knows of any um, horror fans out there, um, really talented filmmakers, I'm looking to try to, if I can, make October a horror-related month where we could celebrate the Halloween season. So, uh, again, talented people in the horror industry, please get in touch with me. I'd love to preview your work and uh, consider you for an opportunity to come on the show for an interview. Again, um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Please follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will follow you. I also have, uh, as I mentioned, two Facebook pages. Please befriend me. We have the Carrie Edelman Show fan page on Facebook. Please like it. It keeps uh, everyone up to date with upcoming shows, events, etc. And also my music page on Facebook under Carrie Edelman. Uh, please become a fan on that page, and that will also keep you up to date with uh, new music and things that I have in the works. So thank you so much for tuning in. Next Tuesday, which is going to be the 28th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, we have the hard rock band Mother coming on. They're from New York City. An amazing band, so definitely tune in to check them out. We're going to talk about their upcoming album they have out. Uh, So, again, that will be 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern on August 28th. And uh, tonight we will close the show with, let me see what song we'll pick tonight off my album. If anyone's interested, it's uh, called Leave It All Behind. It's under my name, and you can find it on iTunes and all major digital sites. So tonight, let's play, let's see what we could uh, play tonight. Let's do Leave It All Behind, and that is the title track off of the album. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great night, and we'll be back next week.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.